What a beautiful testimony, huh? Testing. Do you know Jesus? That's a valid question, right? Do you know Jesus? And um, sometimes, uh, there's sometimes there's divine appointments. You put me down just a bit. Testing. Sometimes there's divine appointments, and sometimes we got to make appointments. And I uh, just want to tell you about an appointment that I have made for you. Did you guys know that? I made an appointment for you. September 4 to 7, on Michigan campus, we're going to be, there we go. Michigan, what did I say? Michigan, yeah, University of Michigan. No, we're not going there. September 4 to 7, we made an appointment for you, church, to be on the campus of Michigan State University. We're going to put up uh, about a 30 by 45 tent up there. We're going to put up signs up there inviting people to come. We're going to bring out our evangelist from the conference, Pastor Wes Peppers, to preach sermons as we are going to promote it that you've never heard in your local church, mosque, or synagogue. We're going, to be having a, we're going to be having a solidarity wall, which means that we're going to be inviting people walking by on the campus that if they could say one thing to a sexual assault survivor, to please write it on the wall. We're going to build this big, you know, wall. And the campus needs a lot of healing when it comes to sexual assault. We're going to be having prayer on the spot. We're going to be having live music. I know that Abby, where's Abby at? She's somewhere here. Abby back there is going to be doing one day music for, for that uh, event, live music. We're going to have free food. We're going to have massages. But all this is not going to happen unless you come out and help. Because I could do a little bit and Jermaine could do a little bit too, but we can't get it all covered. So we need people to be doing prayer on the spot, people who know Jesus, you know. We need people to be helping to serve food people who know Jesus. We need people talking to the students who are writing on the solidarity wall who know Jesus. Is that you? And we need people there to be for, uh, you know, make friends and invite people to come hear the messages and hear the live music. So uh, next week, after church, right after the message, we're going to be meeting in the back room here, the classroom, and uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to sign up to be part of this outreach on Michigan State University campus. We need you. You know Jesus, let's go make that appointment a reality. And so we're going to be having that sign up next week, and I hope that you could participate, okay? If not, that's okay. We'll just come get you sometime early in the morning and, and take you to be there, okay? You'll be blessed. By the way, you don't have to be a young adult to participate, okay? So if you're retired especially, we need you there, okay? We need everyone there. So thank you so much. For all those in advance who are going to be there. All right. Well, today we uh, have a sermon entitled, Why You Feel So Empty. Why You Feel So Empty. And let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing on the sermon and the scripture reading today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your people on this Saturday morning. We want to invite your holy presence here to be with us, to guide us into what is truth. I pray for what we will read, that it will become a reality in our life. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
As was read earlier, Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, tells us a wonderful promise found in the beginning of the book of Revelation. It says, to him or her who overcomes, overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You know, the Bible is full of promises to overcomers. I'm not sure if you've run across one of those promises. It says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. And it's always, he will receive this, he will receive that. They will receive this, they will receive that. But when we look at the Bible, I think that there's no greater gift for he or she who overcomes than the tree of life. Can you imagine having access to that tree? I mean, that's the tree that Adam and Eve were given before sin. The tree that they would eat from and would give them life eternal. But as we know, they chose to partake of another tree, of the tree of the knowledge of sin. And after they took of that tree, they could no longer partake of the tree of life. And the Bible says that an angel barred them from the entrance of the garden, lest sinners should live for eternity. And we understand or believe that right before the flood, as the rains probably were coming down and Noah was in that ark, that the Lord probably transplanted that garden and that tree to heaven. Because we read in the book of Revelation that at the end of time, when the Lord, after his second coming, takes us to heaven, he will lead us by the hand, by a river, that has a tree on both sides, and that tree is the tree of life. And he's going to say, take that mango, take that banana, take that apple, take, well, all my favorite fruits, right? It's 12, but it's going to be all my favorite fruits, and take the leaves that will be for the healing of the nations. The Bible says, to him or her who overcomes. So if the Bible promise that they who overcome will eat of this tree, then it must be that we can have victory. It must be that it's true to win the victory. Because the Bible says, to him who overcomes. So that means that there must be people who what? Who overcome. There must be people who have victory. And so this is a promise. It's not a dream it's not a utopian idea. It's not a fairy tale. The Bible says that you could live the victorious Christian life. That you can be an overcomer. Wow. Not even one amen, Jermaine. They don't believe it. They don't believe they could live the victorious Christian life. But, but I understand. I understand where you're coming from because it's true. There's a lot of Christians who feel empty. There's a lot of Christians who feel defeated, who feel down, who feel depressed, who feel discouraged, who feel downcast. They don't feel like victorious Christians. They don't feel like overcomers. They don't feel like people who've run the victory. They sing the songs, but they don't really mean it because life is hard and they say, Pastor, I don't feel like a victorious Christian. I'm fighting against my tendencies, my character, my patience. I mean, how can I feel like a victorious Christian when, when I just set off on my wife this week and I yelled at her and I called her names? How can I feel like the victorious Christian 
when I'm holding grudges against the people I love and mistreating and losing my patience with my children? How can I feel like a victorious Christian when I can't even hold my mouth from gossiping about others at work or complaining about others or mistreating people at work? Pastor, yes, the Bible says there are overcomers, but I'm not sure if that's me. I have fought the fight and I'm tired. I feel downcast and defeated. But Jesus says that the victory is not a fairy tale, it's a reality, and that you can become an overcomer. But when you doubt that, when you start to doubt that you could become a victorious Christian, when you start to doubt that you could overcome the tendencies of evil, the sin in your life, the temptations, when you start to doubt, then you are no longer thinking of the rewards of being an overcomer, but you start thinking about the consequences of not being an overcomer. And that's when the emptiness comes in, when you feel defeated. And you're not thinking about the tree of life. You're thinking about the consequences of not being a victorious Christian. And when that mindset comes in, you become like the North Korean Olympic team. You're like, what? What are you talking about? That was a switch. When you are living that life of not being a victorious Christian, not knowing if you could overcome, it's no longer the tree that you're looking at, but you're looking at the consequences of not being a victorious Christian. And it's scary. Like the North Korean Olympic team. Because the North Olympic Korean team are encouraged by the carrot and the stick. They gather all the athletes before they send them to South Korea to compete for this year's Olympics. And we learn that they told them that if you win gold medals, if you win even a silver medal, when you get back to North Korea, you're going to get a car. You're going to get probably a washer and a dryer. You're going to get a refrigerator. You're going to be like the star. We're going to have stadiums full of people cheering you. You're going to be a national hero. Everybody's going to love you. The supreme leader will shake your hands. Everything you could dream of, heaven on earth, as much as North Korea can be, will be yours if you get that medal. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to be a victorious athlete. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But wait. Wait, if you fail, mm. but if you fail, and, and if you make North Korea look bad, then not only are you not going to get that refrigerator, not only will you not get that car, not only will you not get all these things, but you're going to go to prison camp. And you're going to work 12 hours a day. And if you don't work hard, you're going to get beaten and tortured. So how do, you think, how do you think those athletes feel when they show up for competition? Do they feel like liberated, like I'm ready to go, live this life. I'm going to go win with the carrot and the stick. They're not so much thinking about the victory. They're thinking about the what? The defeat. And then they show up in line, you know, ready to run the race. And there's an American athlete who's been, you know, given multi-million dollar training. And, you know, it's a super athlete. And here you are, North Korean. And you're just like, I can't compete with the world's greatest athletes. And here you are at church. And you look and so-and-so next to you. And you're like, I can't compete against that Christian. 
I can't be as good as that. And I know the Bible says to him who overcomes will be given the tree of life. But I'm so down, defeated, and discouraged that I'm not thinking about the victory. I'm thinking about the consequences of the defeat. And that's why so many Christians feel an emptiness. Because they haven't even been defeated yet. But they feel like it's a bygone conclusion. And they're thinking about the consequences of defeat. That's a terrible mindset. That's not a Christian mindset. That's not a Bible mindset. That's not what God wants for you. And so today, this morning, I want to share a story from the Bible that will, by God's grace, break that mentality and give you the victory this morning. Can we do that this morning? Oh, now we got an amen, Jermaine. We got an amen. We're getting better. So turn with me to the Bible, John chapter 18, and we're going to go to this beautiful story, this beautiful story about how your defeated mindset can turn into a victorious mindset so that you can look forward to the tree of life. The Bible tells us a wonderful story in John chapter 18, a wonderful story for you, but a sad story for Jesus. John chapter 18 and verse 3. John chapter 18, verse 3. When you're there, say amen, please. This is what the Bible says in John chapter 18, verse 3. It says, the leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers. The priests and Pharisees had assigned a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, with lanterns and weapons, they arrived. You know the story, right, friends? You know the story. Right before the crucifixion, right after the Gethsemane experience, the Bible tells us that Judas gets a legion of troops assigned to go find Jesus. And they come to Jesus with the sword, with the clubs, with the chains to arrest Jesus. And when I look at this story and I think about the Christian life, I'm thinking about you, my church family. And I recognize the fact that this story is your story too. This is exactly how it happens to you. There is an assignment against your life. There's been a detachment of troops assigned against you, friends. There is a devil. There is an enemy, and he hates you. And there's been an assignment of demons assigned just for you to attack you. And he has assigned them to derail you, to blind you, to hold you hostage, to defeat you. There's an assignment for you, mother. The devil has assigned enemies against you. There's an assignment against you, father. There's an assignment against you, husband and wife. There's an assignment against you. The Bible tells us that they came to him with swords, clubs, and chains. But the Bible tells us that against you, we wrestle not against physical threats, but spiritual threats. The Bible tells us that the soldiers approached with Judas and Jesus saw them coming. Jesus saw 
The disciples were with him, and Jesus saw this assignment coming against them, and I just love Jesus. Jesus is different because the Bible tells us, not like me, I would have seen an assignment of, of soldiers coming to me. I would have told my boys, get in front of me, boys. There's 12 of you. Get in front of me, boys. Protect me. But not Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus stepped forward. Jesus stepped in between himself and his disciples. And the Bible tells us that the soldiers surrounded him. And there was Jesus standing between him and his disciples. And the Bible tells us that he looked at those soldiers boldly standing in front of their swords and clubs and spears. And he said, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? One soldier muttered up, I'm looking we're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. And he responds with these words, I am he. And at that name, I am, the great I am, the one that is the alpha and the omega, the Bible tells us, he said, I am. And just from those words, there was a physical and tangible effect on the soldiers. It knocked them on their butts. It knocked them down on the floor. The I am. The Bible says they fell to the ground. But the audacity, the shame, the no remorse of seeing the glory of God just by his name. I would have, I would have crawled away. But they stand up again and face the son of God. And again, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they respond, we are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. And this is beautiful, friends. Catch us, catch us. He says again, I am he. I am he. It is me. Yes, it is me. Take me. But what does he say? Let these others go. There's no amens. They didn't get it. This is the gospel story. This is the gospel crammed in to one moment. When the legions of the soldiers came, Jesus stands in front and says, Take me, but let these others go. Take me, but let Stephen go. Take me, but let you go. Take me is the gospel story. That Jesus took our place but something happens that I could relate to and this is the problem the reason we're not living a victorious Christian life this is the reason we're feeling defeated at times and moments because the Bible tells us that we are just like Peter we are just like Peter because Jesus stands in front of Peter and says let Peter go but take me but the Bible tells us that Peter drew his sword. The Bible tells us that Peter stepped in front of Jesus. The Bible tells us that Peter stepped forward and drew his sword. Are you tired of fighting the battles and losing them? Are you tired of trying to become an overcomer? 
Are you struggling because that sin has been besetting you or because your character is just not changing and you feel like it's destroying your family and you are trying to fight your way out of the conflict of the spiritual battle. You're trying to move forward. But the Bible here is telling us that Peter drew the sword and he slashed off the right ear of the servant and Jesus took one look at him and gave him a message that will make you a victorious Christian. He gave him a message that will make you a victorious Christian today if you're striving, if you're struggling, if you're trying to make it. He says, put away your sword. Peter, put away your sword Stephen put away your sword you who is struggling put away your sword put away your sword no God I'm not gonna put away my sword I'm gonna try again I'm gonna try harder but you've already been defeated once in that area no but I'm gonna keep fighting and keep trying put away your sword Peter but if, if, if I only spend an hour instead of 30 minutes in prayer, if I, if I only complete all these Bible studies, if I only doorknock more, maybe, maybe something will change in me. Maybe I'll stop talking bad to my wife or husband. Maybe I'll become a better, put your sword away, he says. Step back and let me do for you what you can't do for yourself. Because Peter, you're no match for sin. Peter, you're no, no match for the legions of Satan. You're no match for this temptation. You're no match for all this. Put your sword away because you are insufficient. But I am sufficient. You're no match for this. But thanks God that he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, put away your sword because I give you. You don't fight for it. You don't grab it. You don't earn it. You receive it. And you only receive it through what Jesus Christ has done for you. So friends, Quit your striving and start believing. Quit your striving and start believing in the grace of God, the mercy of God, the power of God to help you have the victory today. The Bible tells us that this is true. And there's such a capacity in you for such great victories in your life if what we do with all of your strength is not strive but yield to Jesus, but trust Jesus, but rely on Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Or do you want to move ahead of him and forward and fight your own battles? You might slice off an ear. You might make a little advancement, but before you know it, the enemy will be upon you. And you're not going to be thinking about the tree of life. You're going to be thinking about going to the internment camp for all eternity. But Jesus says, put away your sword because the victory is mine. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of, of God. 
Jesus only asks for what he has already what? He only demands what he has already? He only asks you to become a victorious, overcoming Christian because he has already won the battle for you and wants to give it to you. He only demands that you become an overcomer because he already has deposited that in you. And your battle is not one of effort, of discipline, of striving. Your battle is one of believing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words that he has said. But thanks be to God that he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe in his words? Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than what? We are more than conquerors through you. Through you? Have you been feeling defeated through you? Have you been feeling discouraged through you? Have you been feeling down through you and saying, how can I advance in this Christian life? Because it's not through you that you are conquerors, friends. It's through him who loved us. And of course, I can't go on without finishing that Bible verse, the Bible verse of Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither what? Death nor life. Get this, nor angels, nor principalities, no legion, no demonic army can separate you from the love who, of the one who has given you the victory. Nothing, no life and death, no powers, no principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mother, you can become a victorious Christian today. Father, you can become a victorious overcomer. Brother, sister, friend, student, the victory is yours through the one who loved you and stepped in front of you and said, put your sword down. Let me do for you what you can't do for yourself. The Bible is full of stories like this to encourage us to the victory. Let me end with one other short one. It's not up there, so you got you to open up your Bible. Is that okay? Yes. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. What a beautiful sound. What a beautiful sound. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 15. You know, I was reading the Gospels the other day. And in and, and the book of Matthew, it's, you're going through this story of Jesus being captured, of being tried, of being beaten, of being brought before Pilate, and eventually being led to the crucifixion and then resurrection. But as I'm reading the story there is a character that is inserted in the story that is kind of out of place. It just comes in like it seems out of nowhere. Like, why, why is this person here? Why is this in the story? I'm trying to go to the cross. I'm trying to get to the highlight of this story. But there's a character that's introduced in this chapter. And listen to what it says about him. It says there in chapter 27, verse 15. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration, to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. 
This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, and he asked them, which do you want me to release, Barabbas or who? This is blasphemous, friends. Here is a man who is a murderer. He's a thug. He's an insurrector. He deserves the chains that he has. He deserves death. And here next to him is Jesus. What has Jesus done but heal, set in liberty? And here, the audacity of Pilate to say, who do you want me to release? And what do the people respond, friends? Give us, give us Barabbas. And Barabbas is standing up there. And Barabbas is saying, I can't believe it. The people love me. I don't know who this Jesus character is, but my buddies must be out there. My thug friends must be out there. They want me to be free. And the people say, Barabbas, Barabbas. And Pilate says, what shall I do with Jesus? Crucify him. Crucify him. And Barabbas' chains are released, and he can't believe it. He goes down to his boys, the thugs in the crowd, and they hug, and they say, yeah, the people love me. But you know what I learned? It wasn't the people who relieved Barabbas. It was God the Father who did. The Bible doesn't say anything about Barabbas in the rest of the story. It's not like he said, oh, Jesus, you set me free. I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. It doesn't say that he went on to be an apostle or a believer or anything. For all we know, he went and maybe continued his ways. But you know what? When I read this story, you know what I thought? I'm Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. And Jesus stood there. And went to the cross to set me free. Because while we were yet sinners, what did God do? He gave Christ for us. So here's my struggle, friends. If Jesus has done that to set you free when you were converted and you were baptized, and you accepted Jesus, and now you advance forward in this Christian experience, and you find yourself chained up again with another sin, with another temptation, with another character struggle. Why are you trying to lose yourself out of those chains? Don't you remember you're Barabbas? You can't lose yourself. Jesus has to take your place and set you free. Just like when you accepted him. So put down your sword, Peter. Barabbas, you can't set yourself loose. Only Jesus can do that because he loves you. And your battle, your strength shall be put in believing his words and yielding yourself to him. And then you shall be an overcomer who will eat of the tree of life. Is there some people here going through a struggle? Is there a mountain so high that you can't climb? Is there a valley so deep and dark that you can't know how to get out of it? And you said, I can't do it. And Jesus says, you can't. But I can. Believe in the Lord Jesus. 
and he will save you. And so husband, wife, mother, father, student, whoever you are, Jesus today is saying, you are overcomer through me. But you got to believe it. you got to claim it. you got to submit to it. you got to put down your sword. You have to lay down your chains. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because this moment, the words of Scripture have said, put down your sword, Peter. Barabbas, it is you. And I don't want you to live with that defeated, discouraged, depressed mindset where you're not thinking of the tree of life, but you're thinking of the consequences of defeat. But Jesus says, no more. I've won the victory for you. Believe in it. How many of you this morning, as all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, have feel defeated and discouraged in some part of your life? Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your finances, maybe in your parenting, maybe in your character. Maybe in your patience. How many of you have felt discouraged in some way, somehow, this week? Would you raise your hand? Show Jesus. It is me. I'm Barabbas. I'm Peter. Keep your hands up. How many want to say, even though I consider myself discouraged and downcast before this message, now I understand that I am an overcomer through Jesus Christ, and all I have to do is believe and submit to that promise. How many of you want to say, with both hands raised, I know Jesus. Give me Jesus. Because it's only through him that I can have the release, the victory, and the peace that comes when the chains come off and the sword falls down. Praise God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we can give you nothing but our sin, our shame, our striving, our discouragement our defeat, our despair, and in return, you give victory, you give faith, you give joy, you give peace. Thank you, Jesus. Help me trust you as an everlasting, super powerful, victorious God that I could walk out of this church knowing that nothing the devil throws at me can defeat me. And that you could give me that victory in my home in the work, in the parenting, in my personal development of my character, in every area of my life. Give us that victory. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all believe and say, Amen. Amen. Let us stand for our closing song of victory.